The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 3090. We're in the final stretch for our series of debriefings on season one of Andor. And today we're going to talk about that one specific character, that main character, the character after whom the show is named and five things that we learned about him, only one of which actually factors into his narrative journey, his character arc during the season. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So yes, Cassian Andor is up for discussion on today's episode. We're going to talk about five things that we learned about him. I guess I should say that maybe a couple of things we kind of already knew about him to some degree, but we learned that he is very much <laughs> these particular things, and we learned that more deeply and thoroughly instead of seeing it maybe just in you know one aspect of his life in a very dramatic time in Rogue One. First of all, we learned that he is a scoundrel through and through. Yes, I suppose you could say that we knew he was a scoundrel because he was part of the group of spies and saboteurs and assassins that we meet in Rogue One, but not really at the level that we see in the Andor series. He is having affairs with multiple married women. He's part of a black market salvage ring and assisting, if not actually performing the bribery of various imperial and other officials in regard to the things that should not be left on the scrapped ships but are being left on there. And for that matter, he's double-crossing his partner in the operation, Mix Clean, by getting other materials that he's not telling her about. And what's more is that... <laughs> He also has a scoundrel-type relationship with her, has had over the years. And he's racking up debts with people, having trouble paying him back to the point of muscle getting hired to try to threaten him to pay money back, right? So this is a scoundrel through and through that we meet in season one of Andor. That said, he is also honorable to a certain degree. So I would say the second thing we've learned about him is what his particular code of honor or loyalty is. Because of the fact that he has these debts, like he's, yes, trying to do what he can to avoid paying them when he's not able to pay them, make promises that he then breaks and whatnot. But ultimately, when he completes the Aldani job, he comes back to Ferrix and leaves enough money behind to pay off all the debts he owes. So at least he has a conscience in that regard. He is also very dedicated to Marva when he gets the Aldani job complete. His goal is to come back and take her away from cold Ferrix and bring the two of them to someplace warm. I mean, he's thinking about his mom for Pete's sake. So, yeah, for a scoundrel, that's also a pretty <laughs> honorable thing to be doing. He's definitely loyal to his friends. We see that happen on Ferrix. He's loyal to his cellmates, the people that he has to work with when he's in Narkina 5. What he does for Olaf, the prisoner who ultimately has a stroke and trying to help him during the process of you know, their 12-hour shifts, like his care and concern are legitimate and real. 
And then, of course, there's the fact that he is still looking for his sister. And, yeah, still a very strange bit of dialogue between Marva and Cassian about how stop looking for your sister. You know, that's, you know, she's not there. She's nowhere to be found anymore. There was nobody left on that planet on Canari after they took off. And Cassian doesn't protest this at all. So, yeah, something weird going on there. But nevertheless, we see him deeply concerned about trying to track down his sister, his one living biological relative as far as he knows, and presumably to bring her into his own family. And that leads me to the third thing that we learned about Cassian, which is that he is lethal. And yes, we saw him kill people in Rogue One, and certainly you could argue that there were very you know, dire, extreme circumstances in which he had to do it. The remorse of killing Tivik in that situation was palpable for sure, but he made that difficult decision and seemed to make it rather quickly. But the Andor we meet five years before that particular incident is no less lethal. So yes, there is a scenario, I suppose, where he could have just stunned those corpos in the first episode and took off. And yeah, they would have had his description and would have been able to probably track him down. But there were other witnesses in the bar who saw him there as well. So he had to know that there were going to be witnesses. And yet he decided to kill the two corpos in that moment. Or actually, I should say, kill the one corpo who was like, we'll just say it was a, you know, it was an accident, you know, and it's okay. And I just, he was making sure that he wouldn't get killed himself or trying to. And I don't know whether you believe him or not, but yeah, Cassian just killed that guy in cold blood. And this is who we see throughout the season. He kills Skeen in cold blood when, again, he had the option to just stun him, right? And Skeen was the one who was arguing for going to the contingency plan planet to try to save Nemec, right? It was Vel that was saying, no, we're going to skip that and Nemec is just out of luck. But Skeen was the one who wanted to save Nemec's life. So you would think that that might have gotten a little bit of empathy in Cassian's brain somewhere and maybe, you know, stunning him and leaving him for Vel to deal with would have been a way to go. But no, he just killed him outright. And keeping that in mind, it's you know not really surprising, I guess, perhaps that he didn't kill Cyril when he had the opportunity because you know plot armor for all intents and purposes, I guess. But he did ask Luthen about whether he was still carrying charges, and he wired that speeder up to blow and kill more corpos. But perhaps more puzzling is that he did not kill the two people running the prison up in the control tower on level eight, right? The guy who was the quote-unquote voice of God and one of his assistants, right? Those two guys were left alive, even though they could easily have been lying about the powering down of the hydroelectric systems for the prison, right? And maybe that's really another plot armor situation in that they were not depicted as active prison guards with weapons that were going to potentially shoot them, right? They were unarmed, not civilians, but certainly non-combatants, if you will. For a fourth thing, we learn that Cassian is very solution-oriented and does not give up no matter how dire a situation looks. We see that with him creating the diversion that I just mentioned, sending the speeder one way with all the bombs in it, right? We see that 
time and again during the Aldani story arc where he's looking at the situation as presented and you know coming up with new ideas different ideas and when he's actually in the midst of the heist itself you know figuring out how they're all going to get out of there but we especially see it in the prison on Narkina 5 where he will not just sit idly. He is trying to figure out where the weak spots are in the routine, how they can find a way to break out of this prison. He's conspiring with other cellmates. He's working on Kino Loy to try to get information out of him. And he knows after the Empire makes that mistake and ends up frying a hundred people that now is the time to initiate their prison break situation, that there's not going to be a better time for it. So he's helped plan it as thoroughly as possible. He is ready to meet the moment when it arrives and puts it into action. And the last thing that we learn about Cassian has to do with his narrative story arc. This is the thing that changes for him over the course of season one of Andor. So as we meet him, he is just making his way through the galaxy as a scoundrel. He is you know, lying to people <laughs> as needed. He is sneaking into Imperial facilities. He's just doing whatever. But as far as the Empire goes, he doesn't particularly care about it insofar as he just wants to get his, and that's it. And he doesn't necessarily care about putting a stick in the eye of the Empire. He just believes that they're you know, fat and lazy and are there to be manipulated and used and taken advantage of, but as far as what they're doing to the galaxy, not his problem. And it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing, whether it's the Separatists or the Alliance or the Guerrillas or the Partisan Front. It's all the same to him, and he doesn't want any part of it. But he certainly has no love for the Empire, that's for sure. I mean, the Empire was responsible for the murder of his father. The Empire is responsible for making life terrible on Ferrix and indirectly, at least, leading to the death of his mother and the torture of Bix Kaleen and the torture and murder of Salman Pak. So many atrocities, and then hearing the stories of the rebels on the Aldani heist job, even though, of course, Skeen seems to have been lying about his, but yeah, it's <laughs> one of those things where it's, it's all adding up to stories of people who have been terribly affected by the Empire, and he's felt it personally to the degree that by the time he gets to the end of the series, he has almost nothing left. He has just a few people about whom he cares that he has gotten to safety, but there's nothing left for him on Ferrix, and yeah, there's nothing left for him on the Ganji moon either, so he just might as well double down and commit to fighting the Empire, which he does by arriving on Luthen's ship and giving him a gun and saying, you know, either kill me or take me in. And that's when he completes his narrative journey, going from scoundrel to mercenary to actual rebel with a cause. And that's what I've got for you about Cassian Andor, our main character, our title character in season one of that series. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and/or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited. Other respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.